Ho, 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 and whale, whale, whale. I'm Mark Laren Young, and welcome to a special holiday episode of Scanna, a podcast about orcas, oceans, and the environment for fans of fact-based reality and reality-based facts. For the holiday season, we really wanted to deliver a present, so we're sharing a couple of chapters from the audiobook version of the award-winning book for readers of all ages, Orcas Everywhere, The Mystery and History of Killer Whales, written and narrated by me. I'm sharing two of my favorite chapters, Orca Love and Orca Mysteries. As always, Scan is brought to you by our amazing pod at Patreon.com. So if you like what we're doing, please join our pod and sponsor us at Patreon. You can also visit our site Scanna.org and make one-time donations via Ko-fi. Or feel free to buy my books about orcas, or my books that aren't about orcas. Scan is brought to you by Orca Publishing, publishers of my three new books about whales for younger readers. Orcas of the Salish Sea, that's a beautiful picture book featuring the southern resident orcas. Big Whales, Small World, that's a baby book, which as you parents out there all know is chewable. And Orcas Everywhere, which just won the City of Victoria's Children's Book Prize, and which you're about to hear a bit of right now. You can find out more about the books and ebooks and audio versions at orcaseverywhere.com, and they are all on sale wherever you buy books. Please, if you can, support your local bookstore. We're also doing a new podcast, Orca Bites, where we share words of wisdom from Scanna guests like Wade Davis, David Suzuki, Alexandra Morton, and many, many more. Before we start, if you could take one second to push that subscribe button as a holiday present for us, that would be awesome. I'll wait. Thanks. And now, Orcas Everywhere and Orca Love. Chapter 13 Orca Love It is empathy that not only makes orcas most like humans, but perhaps makes them more than human. David Nywert of Orcas and Men, What Killer Whales Can Teach Us Humans like to claim we're the only species on Earth with emotions, but in 2018 the world watched as southern resident orca Talaqua J35 mourned for her calf. Her daughter was the first calf born to the southern residents in three years. The baby swam for less than an hour before dying, likely due to starvation. Talaqua balanced the body on her nose for 17 days, carrying her for more than a thousand miles, 1,609 kilometers. She showed her daughter's body to the other southern residents and the world. Was it a funeral? Was it a message to us? Whatever her reasons, almost everyone agreed that Talaqua was grieving for her dead daughter. Lodi Budwill of the Center for Whale Research watched the other whales join Talaqua in what looked like a funeral. The sun set, the moon rose, and they remained centered in the moonbeam, continuing their circular surfacing. I perceived this to be a ceremony or ritual of some sort. It was no doubt a circle of family love and devotion. So most people now admit that whales can grieve. Other animals, like elephants, also mourn their dead. 
While Tahlequah was carrying her daughter's body, J-Pod stayed with her. Some people believe the other pod members took turns carrying the body. Others believe that her pod mates fed her. Neither of these actions can be confirmed by official whale watchers, but Tahlequah didn't lose weight even though she wasn't hunting. One trait humans have always used to prove we are on the top of the evolutionary chain is altruism, selfless concern for others. The idea is that only humans are wired to be nice. Scientists and philosophers have claimed this is not just a uniquely human trait, but the ultimate proof of our humanity. Orcas and some other large whales have spindle neurons in their brains. These are cells that process emotions humans thought existed only in apes and us. Spindle neurons have been called the cells that make us human. They're the part of the brain that deals with complex emotions like love, guilt, grief, and even embarrassment. Since these are the cells that allow us to feel deeply, isn't it likely they do the same for orcas? Science relies on what's called empirical data, something that can be observed and repeated. Scientists won't use individual incidents, or what they call anecdotes, as proof of anything. But here are a few anecdotes about orcas behaving in ways that sure seem human, like the pair of orcas who risked their lives to stop an unconscious Moby doll from drowning. Stumpy. In 1996, an orca with spinal and dorsal injuries was spotted off the coast of Norway. The whale was named Stumpy because, well, people who name orcas seem to lack imagination. Because of his injuries, Stumpy was calf-sized, even as an adult. According to the laws of nature, Stumpy should have starved, but adult orcas brought him herring. The most human and shocking part of Stumpy's story is that at least five different pods brought him food. So this wasn't just family looking after him. Stumpy was fed by strangers who didn't speak his dialect. Sira. In 2013, in Algoa Bay, South Africa, researchers saw a young orca missing a pectoral and dorsal fin and named him Sira. Instead of leaving the injured orca to die, the pod fed him. In 2017, Sira was spotted again. This time, he appeared to be leading his pod on hunts. Tumbo. In the Salish Sea, a bigs whale named Tumbo, T2C2, was born in 1989 with a deformed spine. The older he gets, the more his spine bends out of shape and the tougher it is for him to swim quickly. Like all male orcas, he stays close to his mom. Sao, T2C, is his pod's matriarch. Since he can't swim fast enough to help hunt, his pod mates bring him food. At least one whale usually stays with him when he can't keep up with the pod. Orca Bites Granny the last known photo of former Southern resident matriarch Granny shows her passing a salmon to a young orca. It looks like Granny was starving at the time. No one who knows orcas was surprised that Granny did this. Chapter 14, Orca Mysteries. No wise fish would go anywhere without a porpoise. Lewis Carroll, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Nature is unpredictable, and the idea that any species would never do something may just mean we've never seen it happen. Everyone knows that orcas never attack one another, except for that one time they did. 
Southern residents were once spotted getting aggressive with a pod of big orcas. It's possible the residents were worried about their new baby, but who knows? Scientists have encountered this kind of attack only once, but that doesn't mean it has happened only once. In 2016, scientists in the Sailor Sea saw something that shocked and horrified them. Two whales attacking and killing a newborn orca. Again, humans had thought orcas never hurt one another in the wild. Maybe the baby was sick, so the older orcas killed it. Maybe, as scientists on the scene suspected, the young male wanted to breed with the mother. Maybe the two killer whales were just nasty. There's no way for us to find out. But it's a reminder that orcas are still a mystery to us. So never say never. In 1972, off the coast of Monterey, California, an 18-year-old surfer named Hans Kretschmer said he was attacked by an orca who took one bite and swam off. His two friends agreed the attacker was an orca. He needed over 100 stitches. A doctor examined him and agreed that it was an orca bite. But California Fish and Wildlife officers checked the bite marks on the surfboard and wetsuit and said it was a shark bite. Many people have said they felt threatened by orcas, but there is no proof of an orca ever hurting a human in the wild. That doesn't mean it has never happened or that it never will. Some world-renowned orca experts won't get in the ocean with mammal eaters, just in case. Psychic Orcas When the Vancouver Aquarium was waiting to harpoon an orca, Murray Newman mused that whales must be able to sense trouble. Ted Griffin, the first human to swim with an orca, was certain he'd formed a psychic link with Namu. If you ask most people who've spent time around orcas whether orcas are psychic, they probably won't like the word because it suggests something supernatural. But almost every researcher has a story about an orca who did something impossible to explain. When Rain Elacris Banu set out to film Granny for our movie about her, Granny put on a show. As soon as Rain arrived with her camera, Granny greeted us with a tail slap, a spy hop, and two breeches. We were with two people who'd been watching whales for over 20 years. They'd seen Granny breach only a half dozen times. Ever. But when we arrived, Granny performed like a movie star. Alexandra Morton wrote in her book, The Company of Whales, that the orcas she was looking to study showed up to greet her on her first day in Alert Bay, British Columbia. She also told me about the day her small boat was lost in the fog and several orcas she knew showed up and led her safely home. Ken Balcom has an almost identical story about being saved by a pod of the orcas he studied. In both cases, this was the one and only time orcas ever accompanied their boats like this. The New Chalnuth people in Washington State say the spirits of their dead chiefs can transfer to orcas. The Kwaklaakiwak in BC say the first human beings were orcas. The orcas came onto land, became people, and forgot to return home. The Haida in northern BC and Alaska say orcas show up for funerals. Indigenous stories used to be dismissed by non-Indigenous people as myths or legends, which makes it tough to explain why orcas keep showing up at Haida funerals. Just before writer Stephen Reed died on Haida Kauai in 2018, seven orcas appeared in the water nearby. His wife, poet Susan Musgrave, was sure they had shown up to send him off. When Michael Biggs' ashes were scattered in Johnson Strait, 30 orcas arrived to witness the ceremony. 
Between 2011 and 2018, there have been six gatherings of orca lovers in Friday Harbor on San Juan Island. Each of these conventions is called Superpod, in honor of the whales getting together. San Juan Island is one of the best places in the world to watch orcas, but the southern residents haven't been around much over the last few years. You can certainly never count on them showing up, except for Superpod. When J-Pod arrived on the first day of the 2018 event, people were happy, but not surprised. On the final night, the Superpod people, including me, partied in Lime Kiln Point Park, and members of J-Pod showed up like they'd been invited. They have appeared at all six gatherings of the humans devoted to helping them. The night I decided to read part of this book to an audience for the first time ever, something impossible happened. I'd been invited to talk in the park at East Point on Saturna Island. I was sitting on the grass in almost the exact same spot where Joe Bauer and Sam Burrich camped years ago as they waited to harpoon a whale. A few minutes before my talk, someone shouted, Whale! Just like Joe Bauer did back when he saw Moby Doll in 1964. But it wasn't just a whale. It was J-Pod, Moby's family. This was the first time I had ever seen them from the shores of Saturna, and they weren't just swimming, they were breaching over and over and over in the same spot where Moby was captured. For almost half an hour, everyone in the park watched the whales play. A few minutes after the whales swam off, I read the audience this chapter, except for this new paragraph. In Shakespeare's play Hamlet, the prince tells his pal Horatio, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Orcas continually prove there are more things in the ocean than are dreamt of in our science. Orca Bites Dreaming of Orcas In 2016, a Hawaiian fisherman named Clay Ching said that one of his daughters dreamed of orcas. The next day, when he and his daughters were on the water, they spotted a pod just off the coast of Molokai. The three orcas surfaced less than 15 feet, four and a half meters from their boat. Ching had been fishing and leading tours in those waters for over 50 years. He had never seen an orca before. Thanks again for checking out Scanna during the Corona Apocalypse. Scanna is produced in Saanich, BC, traditional territories of the Wasanich, Songhees, and Esquimalt peoples. If you like the podcast and want to help us share more stories about orcas, oceans, ecoethics, and the environment more often, please join our pod at patreon.com. Sponsors this episode, and the sponsors who help make this happen all year long, include Darren Laren Young, Robert Anderson, Nancy Campbell, Simon McNair, Joan Watterson, Solomon Siegel, and Yosef Wask. If this podcast doesn't work for you, I'm Santa Claus. You can also support us at scanna.org with one-time donations through ko-fi.com or by buying my books. Please subscribe to the podcast and our newsletter so you don't miss upcoming episodes with guests like world-renowned primatologist Franz DeWall, author of Mama's Last Hug, Joel Bacon, co-director, writer, and executive producer of The New Corporation, the unfortunately necessary sequel, and an essential film. And join us behind the scenes at the Royal BC Museum's upcoming exhibit, Orcas, 
our shared future. Be sure to check out our show notes at Scanna.org and our Scanna magazine on Medium. Follow us on social media everywhere and share this show with your friends. Heck, share this with everyone. Plenty of time to listen to podcasts during the holidays. And five-star reviews on your fave podcast provider are always appreciated. Scanna is produced by the always awesome Ray Manu. Our epic associate producer and audio engineer is Isabella Almashi. We'd also like to thank web wizard Katie Brown and social media guru Liz Flick Bellas. We've also had all sorts of help lately behind the scenes from Maeve Milligan and Brian Murphy. Scanna's theme, Scanna, is by Leah Abramson. Since this holiday episode features my book, Orcas Everywhere, I thought we'd end off with a Christmas song by Local Anxiety. That's me and my friend Kevin Crofton. This is O Christmas Tree, Eco Christmas Tree. You can find this on YouTube where it has over 20,000 hits, so feel free to share this with everyone as your holiday greeting. Thanks again for tuning in this year. Wishing you all the best this season and a very, very, very new year. Christmas tree, oh Christmas tree, what's your impact environmentally? Oh Christmas tree, oh Christmas tree, I bought you with my family. Yes, global warming I do fear, but Christmas comes just once a year. Oh Christmas tree, oh Christmas tree, my daughter still won't talk to me. I said I'd buy a plastic tree She says plastic's poisoning the sea We live in a condominium So how's about aluminium? It's been hard under the same roof Since she watched an inconvenient truth She says Christmas lights burn too much coal That's why we're melting the North Pole she says she wants no gifts at all So I drag her to the mall I say please look for something fun How's about a BB gun? I buy a blender for our neighbor She says it's made with child labor Oh Christmas tree, oh Christmas tree My daughter still won't talk to me Ever since my girl turned ten, she's an ovo-lacto-vegetarian. Instead of eggnog and turkey, she wants carrot sticks and tofu jerky. But Christmas Eve, she looks at me, says make sure Santa gets cookies. Cause even though she has a cause, she still believes in Santa Claus.